Sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, we've got a great guest coming up, and we also we got another we got another co-host uh, in the room. Yeah, What's that? another co-host, a new yeah, Mexican okay. co-host. And just to make it confusing, her name sounds exactly like his name. So we have two Aaron's in the room: Aaron with an E and Aaron with an A. Aaron with an A, no. Aaron with an E. Many of you know she is. Uh, uh, very active, was instrumental in the formation and is active in the ongoing life of the Sarah Society. And she also uh, it works with Dr. Tom Mocha behind the scenes doing so much of the work for Samson House, where she has really brought us to uh, another level when it comes to social media. And, uh, and she just does a zillion things. And she does even more work with Justin Schwind. Taking care yeah. of his needs, folding his damn laundry. Oh, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Schwinn, welcome, co-host. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, thank you for the kind words. Thank you for the um, shout out. I definitely uh, am honored to be here. I'm honored to do the work that I do with both Samson and Sarah. Well, and you know what? You're sounding a little strange. Uh, uh, are you calling from Mars? I mean, you sound. Uh, uh, where are you? Uh, pretty close to Mars. So I am in a little town called Clovis, New Mexico. Um, we are on a current three-day road trip from the one part of the country back to New Mexico. Um, so I'm in a coffee shop right now. So apologies for the... Background noise. Plus, we have about sixty mile per hour gusts or so. Oh, wow! Um, we're in the the open desert, so we have some high winds going on as well. You guys road trip a lot. I gotta say, in my conversations with Justin, I'm like, "Come on, you've got little kids. You road trip way more than I would be willing with kids that age." Yeah, it's always an adventure, and it keeps you on your toes. And you know, it, it keeps you, it reminds you about what's important. The, the mm -hmm. things don't matter. It's the experiences and the time together and the memories that are, you know, yelling at each other in the car because you've been in the car for 12 hours straight with a four-year-old <laughs> and a two-year-old. I, I, I got to ask, when you're on road trips, does Justin like sing kids songs like the wheels on the bus go round and round? What does he do on a road trip? Because he's a hyper dude. So him sitting for too long, I just don't know what he would do. It, it's it's a struggle. Um, I have to drive because I get car sick. Uh -huh. So he's he's a passenger. Um, he he loads a lot of books onto his iPad, a lot of movies onto his. He's basically another child uh. <laughs> in the most loving of ways. Yeah, the sweetest of childs. The sweetest <laughs> loving of ways, but no. Um, we do have to stop and and stretch our legs, all of us, and take very long lunch breaks where we all play. Wow. Well, I, I love that you are here today and have insight into our guest. I also love that I will be uh, hanging out at your house in less than two weeks, and that is exciting. We're trying to leave early enough so we get good dinner time, although you'll get the 14-hour driven versions of us, but I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun, but we're going to jump into our guest because We've got a lot to get through, and mm -hmm. I am very excited about this. So, listeners, uh, from now on, I will be AP for the rest of the day. Aaron will embody the name Aaron. And by the way, don't spell my name with an E. That's the chick version. I'm so sick of people <laughs> spelling my name with an E. Uh, uh, that, no, that's start, start with AA so that whenever you do a butt call, Oh, uh, gosh. Aaron Porter will be the guy to get don't it because he's at the top of me, your phone. Don't list. even get me started. Only people with AAA in their phones. I get butt called all the <laughs> time. It's so ridiculous. Oh, can I can I can I tell you a story about that though? Before we okay, go? yeah, yeah. It, okay, so <laughs> this is so great. There was a young lady in my college group. She was in mm -hmm. leadership. And she kind of disappeared, went home, 
and I got a butt call. Now, mm-hmm. you don't know it's a butt call for a little while, but mm-hmm. then occasionally you're like, well, something's interesting happening. I'm going to listen in. And it was a conversation between this person and her mother. Her uh-huh. mother had just signed her up on an online dating site and managed the profile to get her dates because she was like 19 or 20 and the mom thought she should be married. Uh-huh. And I listened to the, I was fascinated. I'm like, you called me. I, it wasn't like I tapped your phone. I listened to, it was so inappropriate. The daughter was furious. The mom was not listening. I was so angry for the daughter. And so finally I hung up and called her back and just said, Hey, God put on my heart that there's something going on in your life right now. Something, <laughs> something with your mother. And she went, Oh my gosh, what? Seriously? And I was like, no, you just ass dialed me. I just heard your mom is horrible, but I just want to encourage you that you don't have to deal with this. Uh, you don't have to go on the dates that she has arranged for you over the next three weeks. So yeah, that was, uh, that was just a really odd ass dialing experience, but I, I did enjoy claiming the ultimate prophecy, and that young lady was just in utter shock by the detail of what God had given me. Okay. Well, um, the Lord has just laid on my heart that we have a great interview coming up with somebody who practices spiritual direction and incorporates uh, some, uh, some wonderful practices. So let's, uh, let's see if I'm right <laughs> when we return on the Pirate Monk Podcast. And welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. So pleased today to have as our guest, Gene Masukovich, who's joining us from the, the middle of the country, uh, Fox River, Fox Bridge, Fox Brook, something in Illinois. Uh, uh, she's a spiritual director. Oh, man. I, also- I feel like the local high school is just going to be pissed off that you minimize their name. You're like, whatever. There's a fox or a brook. Maybe it's a stream. It's definitely not a river. <laughs> uh but uh she is first of all she is a mom she's also a spiritual director she is uh a, a yoga practitioner and a yoga teacher and she's trauma informed she helps people even as she is continuing to heal herself welcome Jean. thank you so much for having me so so Jean, you do you do spiritual direction, which can mean a lot of things, a lot of spiritual formation exercises, a lot of, you know, when I think of spiritual directors that I have been on staff with, they'll do some Lectio Divinas and old, you know, things to get your mind centered. Um, but you also are talking about trauma, you're talking about story work, and you're talking about embodiment, which I assume is the link to yoga. I will admit I have never done a single moment of yoga in my life. So can you bridge this whole, this is a, a an interesting package you're talking about. <laughs> sure. Thank you. And, and I'm sorry that you've never tried yoga, Aaron. And I challenge <laughs> you to get into your body, brother. <laughs> it's, it's a very I, um, important I just, can you help us? Maybe at the front end, can you help us, Gene? Maybe all of us kind of get into our body. Can you do well, that? Well, can you talk about what that means first? What does it sure. mean to okay. get into so our body? Very simply, yoga is a discipline that makes life work. And if you were to boil down to what yoga is, it means to yoke or to join the mind, body, heart with the breath, the spirit of life that weaves it all together. So it's really a practice of integration. So in trauma and in life, we tend to fragment. Our minds disassociate and our bodies tend to hold mm-hmm. a lot of the shame and the pain and discomfort. So most people are not really embodied beings. They're, they're talking walking heads. And so mm-hmm. yoga is just a practice of coming back home to yourself. So um, Meister Eckert says, God is at home within us and we've gone out for a walk. So I like to think of yoga as a practice of coming home and mm-hmm. not just home to our beautiful minds, but Hey, we have these bodies and you know, where there is trauma, pain, addiction, 
anything that's unprocessed, it gets stuck in the body. And we have to be intentional to release it. Otherwise, it, it's like a weight that drags us down and holds us back. So, you know, you come to yoga and you move and breathe and move and breathe and move and breathe. And you don't even know what you're doing, but you're literally like taking out the trash. You're releasing all of that embodied tension that you didn't even know you were holding. And then I like to add a lot of like journaling and mindfulness and, and really being able to do it not just as right, a the, physical practice, but as yeah, a the, really intentional spiritual practice. The cognitive side. So tell me, I'm, I'm hearing you say that, and I love to embody my experience by punching stuff, whether it's in a gym or a heavy bag, lifting something heavy. It is far more aggressive than what I understand yoga to be. Is that the same or is it different? in the embodiment practice? It is the same for sure in that when you move a muscle, you change a feeling. So physically you run, you hit something. If you have repressed anger or you have abundant anger and it's coming out, like to, to do what you're doing at the gym is so kind to the people you love. I, my husband's an eight and I, and he owns a gym. So <laughs> it is what, what eights need to physically hit something really hard. My yoga teacher says, Hit your body so hard your head dies. There's something that's <laughs> nice. I like with that. that physical release. But there are different types of yoga. There's like a yin yoga, which is really restorative, where you'll get into a pose and you'll hold it for a really long time. And that's really working on learning to, I like to think of the pose as like dropping a tea bag in, you know, just to, to really simmer into the pose so that you can drop into the deep muscles and tissues of your body so that your body can start to let go. Some of this stuff is held so deeply and we're protective beings. We, we are made for survival. So we're not going to let up easily. So some of those slower practices are going to be really hard for somebody who's, who's got a lot of intensity. Um, but it's so important because when we still ourselves, we're able to attune to ourselves and that's really, I think, the deeper gift of yoga. Like, mm. what we don't feel, okay. we don't feel. So, so the yoga is really about feeling what's happening in the body and really attuning to it, like looking at it, listening to it, and responding with love. Okay, so we're, we talked about spiritual direction has these cognitive parts, and I remember friends that love to sit and make us all do these long Lectio Divinas and things like that that were almost like mental yoga poses that you had to hold long enough or just to sit in silence long enough that the torture starts at this part. At first, it's like, oh, great. I'm thinking about this verse. Oh, I'm going over this verse. I'm sitting in silence. And then there's a certain part where you're like, this is no longer comfortable. And what you're describing is the intensity of using the body to the point that you are forced to just be, but your body is a part of that, not just your mind. Absolutely. And the pain is the pathway. So your body, like when you get in an uncomfortable pose, we just want to flee from the pain always, but to actually mm -hmm. lean into it, to press into it, to invite the breath and the spirit of life to usher us into and through the pain because something happens. Like, you know, they say that your hips hold so much, so many secrets, so much trauma. So you get somebody into a deep hip opening posture and a lot of people just weep in yoga and, and they can't help it. It's the body saying, I'm letting go. Okay. I've got a follow-up, but Aaron's nodding a lot. Aaron, tell me what you're thinking. Uh, no, I, I completely agree. In fact, when you were speaking, what I thought of was one of my big learning moments on my journey is where I feel shame in my body. And I have a core wound of not being heard. So my, when I get flush up from my neck up into my face, I know my wounds have been hit and I'm about to go into my spiral, if you will. Um, and that attuning into my body to recognize those sensations in my body and being able to, like you said, come back to my breath and come back to little Aaron and be like, little Aaron, you're okay. Little Aaron, you're heard. 
little Aaron, you're not um, intentionally being unheard by your children. They're, it's a four-year-old. Um, it has been huge. But that, I wouldn't have, that awareness of coming back into my body wouldn't have happened without guiding from people like you. Oh, that's beautiful. And even just your posture toward the shame, right? The antidote to shame is kindness. So if we're aware of the shame, instead of trying to cover it up and run from it and hide to actually hold the little one and to look at her with love and say, I see you, sweetie, I hear you. And Mm -hmm. what happens internally, the moment you drop into where your body is holding that shame, Okay, so before we we transition into something that's going to be fun and interesting, I have to ask this. I remember when I first became aware of yoga. I'm, I mean, I know it's been around before that, but it was popularized, I don't know, became a part of the culture, what, in the mid to late 90s? I mean, that was the first I had heard of it. Is that way off? Yeah, I, I'm older than you. I remember hearing about it in the 70s and 80s, but anyway. Okay. Uh, so when I first heard about it or heard Christians being a part of it, uh, I was also a part of some martial arts that were connected to Taoist roots. So when you say the, the yin, what do you call it? The yin pose or yin yoga, it's just a style of yoga. So automatically I can already picture dozens of people that would write articles or letters like they did to me when I was teaching stuff that came from Taoism that says, you are doing some Middle Eastern, New Age, witchcraft, voodoo. This is not (laughs) for Christians. Christians don't need any of this Middle Eastern, New Age stuff. What is your response to people who hear yoga and think, well, I don't know, you might be walking some weird line. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. It fires me up. I I remember... So I grew up Catholic and uh, found yoga as, as a result of some mental health struggles. I was really struggling with anxiety and the yoga really helped me. And then I got in a Bible study and found a closer walk with Jesus. And these Bible study women who I admired so much because they had so much biblical knowledge, um, they were judgmental. And they were telling me that what I was doing was bad and wrong. And I I did not know how to respond in a loving way. I got super defensive and I decided they were bad people. And I almost didn't want to keep following their Jesus because I was like, I don't want to be like these people. I was so triggered. But I went to my spiritual director and explained what happened. And she said, Jean, anytime somebody doesn't understand, you have a beautiful opportunity to teach and to help them grow. And that really empowered me. And so um, I know people resist what they don't understand. And so, you know, in the Yoga Sutras, it says the student gains union with the deity on which their heart is set. So if your heart is set, if your heart is anchored in Jesus as Lord, you don't have to be afraid of some voodoo, something grabbing a hold of you. Um, It's a spiritual practice. It's not a religion. But it is a prayer. It is a moving prayer because your breath is the spirit of life, the spirit of God, the resurrection power. Your body is a temple that God has given you to make manifest his glory. And your heart is his home, his dwelling place. So if the goal of yoga is to integrate those things, it, it really is a holy practice. And so I think, um, I think there is some confusion. People think because it has its roots in the East that it is like an Eastern religion. And um, it's just not true. It's not a religion. It is a practice. Uh, Christianity, just to make a point of it, uh, Christianity is an Eastern religion. And we we practice a Western version of it. Oh, snap. Nate. (laughs) Dropping some obvious knowledge that we uh, neglect to consider. (laughs) Okay, before, before uh, we hand ourselves over to you, as we have promised before we started this, can you touch a little more, your, you bring up breath, and I think breathing is really important, and I think the 
you know, the, the Greek and Hebrew words for the Spirit of God, ruach, pneuma, it has this explosive breath to it and means breath. And man was formed from the dust of the earth and God breathed his life into him. Whatever makes life, life, which no scientist can say what life is. We only know what the lack of life is, but we can't create life. It's the breath of God in us. And you're talking about the importance of breath. Can you touch on that before you help us start this official time by leading us in some of these embodied practices? Yes, thank you. Um, The breath is spirit. It is life. And uh, in yoga, the study of the breath is called pranayama. And prana is life energy or spirit. And ayama is the expansion of. So anytime we breathe mindfully, we're always breathing. But anytime we bring our loving attention to our breath, the breath becomes a really powerful tool. So for example, um, in this practice of pranayama, they talk about how the holding of the breath is a really important place to be. So, you know, cultivating a pause, being able to sit in the space between. So if each inhale is an opportunity to receive the spirit, to expand into the life energy of God, and then we have an opportunity to pause and to rest or abide in that luminous stillness, that that connection or union with God. And then every exhale is an opportunity to release, to surrender, to, to let that spirit sweep away the debris that's not serving you mentally, physically, emotionally. And then at the bottom of the exhale, it's a place of trust. God, I trust you in the emptiness. And that is really a sacred, hard place to be. But then like Like I explained, I've struggled with anxiety. So the breath can really help you. If your anxiety is high, you're amped up. So what helps is to lengthen the exhale, to let go even more, to drop down and to get out of that amped up place and come back home into that letting go, letting go, letting go. God, I trust you. Coming back to our roots and the ground of our being. I also can struggle with depression. And when you're feeling depressed, you're kind of in that shutdown or hypo arousal. There's not a lot of life energy happening. So in that case, you work with the breath. You use the breath. You breathe in longer and more. You say more of you, Lord, more, 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 more. So that's where the breath is really medicinal. But I think just to be aware of your breath, like one of the things that I use most common in my work is breath prayers. Because at any moment, you're always breathing. And at any moment that you add to your breath, mindfulness, like I'm aware that I'm breathing. And and this breath is a gift from God that I'm choosing to receive. So like one, with my anxiety, I tend to lose presence. And one of the breath prayers that I'll use is I'll just breathe in and think, God, you are here. So I bring my awareness to God. And then I pause in his presence. And then I breathe out and I say, and I am here with you. So that's just a practice of coming back home to myself, that if God is present, I don't want to be somewhere else. I want to be here now. And that breath is something that really can anchor you into that space. All right. So before we begin, you have the most beautiful spiritual director language. I have not had a conversation like this for a while. Thank you, Aaron. I want to blue-collar this for our listeners so they will participate. Because I'm a simple dude. (laughs) When you talk about life energy, people can feel like, wait, again, like walls go up, instead of thinking, wait, the Bible says that I'm made in the image of God, and his breath has animated my being. It is the energy that has, it energized life. It brought me to life. I am connected to it with every breath. And that's what you're talking about connecting with. It's not weird. It's not, I don't want to say it's not mystical because it's incredibly mystical, but it is not pagan mystical. It's incredibly rooted in what scripture says has animated me and connected me to God in the deepest sense. It is the deep that's calling out to the deep. It is my soul reaching out for his spirit. 
and breath is the beginning of my existence and connection with God. So, for those of you that have heard those words in your blue-collar ears like mine and thought, wait, what are we doing? Are we shifting again? No, we're not shifting. Shut up. Just listen. Let go. (laughs) Sorry, that got aggressive just then. Uh, We're going to pause for a second. Go hit something, Aaron. Okay. Hold on, I'll leave. I got, I've got a dog in the room. That'll do. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to pause right now and do something different than we have ever done on the podcast. And we are going to ask Eugene to, to, to lead us in some of this right here on the podcast. Would you do that for us? Oh, I would be honored to. Thank you so much. I think I could talk about it all day, but Uh, an ounce of practice is much, much better. So just take a moment to arrive. So mindfully, just noticing your feet on the floor. And if your legs are crossed, you might want to uncross them so that your feet are planted evenly. And you can place your palms on your lap, which is a posture of surrender. And it also helps bring your attention to your body. And if you're comfortable, you can close your eyes. If not, just find a soft place for your eyes to land. And just give yourself permission to shift your awareness from out to in. And just for now, without asking how, simply settle. Dropping from thinking and feeling and just returning home to the ground of your being. just notice whatever is touching down. And those places are places that are inviting you to plug in. Imagine your roots sinking deep into the rich soil of God's perfect love for you here and now. You are rooted and established in love that is secure. This is your secure attachment right here. You are safe and all of you is welcome. It's as if you're returning to big, strong arms of love that say, I got you. You are safe to rest in me. Come and lay your burden down. And from this place of stability, allow extension. Just lift and lengthen the crown of your head and release your shoulders back and down like you're taking off a heavy weight that you are just done carrying. And notice as your spine lengthens, your heart opens. So just take a moment to breathe into your open heart, just breathing in the love of God. And pause to abide. And with each exhale, just practice letting go, bit by bit, breath by breath. Just resting at the bottom of the exhale, remembering your firm foundation, where you are held. Breathing in the light. Breathing out to let go of anything that is not light, anything that is heavy or ill-fitting. Let it go. Lay it down. So we hold stress in our mind in the form of unproductive thinking. We worry and excessively plan. And so just bring the breath and the light of your awareness into your brilliant mind. And as you breathe out, just imagine your breath clearing away the limiting beliefs, the outworn stories, your fears. And just imagine your mind opening up like an endless blue sky all the way to heaven. And the light of God just filling you And then bringing your awareness to your physical body, we hold the 
stress in our body in the form of pain, tightness, dis-ease. So just scan your body for that clenched fist, just breathing in the light. Let the light lead you to that place where you're still holding what's not yours. And as you breathe out, just say, Lord, I surrender. I'm letting go. This is your body, your temple. And we hold stress in our heart in the form of unprocessed emotion. The fear, the anxiety, the shame, the anger, bitterness, loneliness, despair. And then we build these big walls up to protect our hearts. And so as you breathe in, remember the light of God that is in your heart, your soul. The place where you are ever, only, always one with God. And as you breathe in, just let that expand within you. And as you breathe out, just say, I I surrender. I'm letting go. Anything that is not love, your perfect love, Lord, casts out fear. We are breathing it in collectively. And in this calm space of ease, introduce intention. So just take a moment and identify what you hope for. So it's January. I like to do intentions in January. So what is your hope for the new year? What is it that you want to press into, live into, bring into the kingdom of God? So just put your hand on your heart and just ask yourself, how do I want to feel this year? Peaceful, empowered, connected. Just listen to your heart. Your heart knows the way because God is in there. And whatever it is that you're hoping for, just take a moment to imagine yourself in the fulfillment of that, as if that hope has already been fulfilled. Cast the vision. How are you moving through the world? How are you starting your day? How are you interacting with the people that you love the most? And then just take a moment to shift from thinking to feeling. Just feel that in your heart. Breathing into that space, expanding into that feeling. And as you breathe out, just say thank you. Let it drop deep, deep, deep into your being. And so Ann Voskamp wrote that gratitude precedes the miracle. So we thank God in advance for the miracle that's coming. And you can stay present with this awareness as long as you like. And whenever you're ready, just open your eyes and begin again. Wow. Tell me more. Yeah. Uh, it, it amazed me how just with those verbal suggestions, using terms I'm not familiar with, I was able to, uh, I was able to track. I was able to, uh, uh, I did feel my heart opening. Um, I did it. Yeah. It was weirdly emotional and spiritual and cleansing and reconnecting. It was odd. It was wonderful. How about you, Aaron? So we have been on the road for the past three days now, driving with a two-year-old and a four-year-old in a car. So to take a moment and to breathe and to give myself some compassion after being in a car, confined in a car, confined within myself, um, was a release I didn't know I needed. And I could feel that literal space of giving myself compassion for the moments when ugly Aaron came out in the car, Um, but giving myself that compassion and then leaning into the gratitude of 
just the way God designed our bodies and how, yes, I have these safety mechanisms that my body has adapted to, but to be able to sit in his presence, breathe and, and release is, is, is a joyful experience that I wish everyone could experience. Um, and I feel like the more you learn about how your body responds to stress and how you can through breath and movement and somatics come back to the, the body that God designed for you. Like, I, I, I don't know how you can't experience God in that. You know, my one regret is that I know a lot of our listeners listen to the podcast while they're driving. Yeah, I was so thinking I know about that. It was, <laughs> it was impossible for them to you know, close their eyes and say, so if that's you, um, when you get home, back up, listen to this thing again, do yourself a favor, find a peaceful uh, spot and go ahead and go through the experience yourself. Don't just listen to it, do it. So Gene, I want to ask because uh, it, that meant a lot to me and it kept the words kept bringing me back to Jesus is enough for me to be perfectly beloved of my father. And earlier when you talked about emptying ourselves, that's a Christian fear that that's the new age thing to be empty. And yet sin is the thing that flutters our soul. And to take a moment to empty that container so that it can be filled with the love of our father that was not without a price that is rooted in the person and work of Christ fills us. But also that Scripture is full of promises that are attached to meditation, which is simply focused thinking. Anxiety <laughs> is meditation. It's just focused <laughs> thinking on scary shit. So the Bible talks about, no, if you want to be like a tree planted by a river with deep roots, you got to meditate. You have to have focused thinking. And what you just did was guide us through focused thinking, which is guided meditation, which opens up space and gives us a chance to remember that we are perfectly loved because Jesus was enough. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. I think um, meditation is critical because I think so much of our suffering is in our mind. And what's so sad to me is that you know, there are so many people who come in for coaching that know the truth. They got it. They know the whole Bible, mm -hmm. but they don't experience the freedom that Christ died to give us. And it breaks my heart. And so the meditating is learning mm -hmm. to create that interior space so that the truth can then settle in. And, and have its home with us. Because I, I think, you know, we are just traumatized people. Like the world is demanding us to move at such a fast pace and we're getting so much input all the time. So we have to learn to still the mind. So when, when God's word says, be still and know that I am God, he's talking about more than sitting your butt down and stopping the physical movement. It's this, can you still your mind? Yeah. And when you do, you know God's profound love for you. It's, it's an embodied knowing. It's not something that we have to seek or study. It is our essence. It is who we are. It is our birthright. And so I think, you know, you're spot on, Aaron, in, in that God only wants us to know we're loved. Like that is the, the core. Like if we can move from a place of belovedness. So much of this world's suffering would di di disappear. Mm -hmm. And so when we stop and we still our minds, we know. We know the truth that we're the beloved. And, and, and what can't we do from that place? And, and isn't it, I love that you said that. Again, I'm always thinking of listeners who are like, no, 
Jesus is the center. You're like, you mean Jesus coming dying for us? Yes. As in, for God so loved us that he sent his son to die for us. That started with the impetus of love towards us. That, And that scares us because it's like, well, then that makes us the center. Which it's like, no, we're the center of God's heart and sacrifice. And that's what we're trying to come back to. That's my creation. He has an eternal glory that's outside of that. We can do the John Piper. He's super happiest in himself. And yet he chose to bring his happiness and delight into loving us in this way. And it's okay for us to stop and feel It's critical. His love. It's more than okay. It's critical. Nice. Mm-hmm. It is critical. It's critical. Mm-hmm. For every, it's the... It is the core answer for every other thing, especially when we're dealing with trauma or shame, guilt. We have to find that first, or else we're going to try to fix it through our works and get good enough for his love first. And we'll just find that is a never-ending journey that does not satisfy. Now. Can I step in as someone who hated stillness? Mm-hmm. I ran from stillness. Um, I The thought of sitting in quiet and allowing God to speak to me would scare the living crap out of me mm-hmm. because I'd be fearful of what I would hear because I wouldn't be hearing the true God I'd be hearing the God that I had an image of based on my experience here on earth. Um, so if you five years ago had asked me to sit in stillness and just be, no. So having said that, I know I'm not alone in that fear. What words would you provide to someone who's sitting here listening to this saying, uh, no, because if I sit in stillness, I'm going to be told all the things that are wrong with me, all the things that I'm not doing or worthy of, um, all those inner wounds that we now know are inner wounds speaking to us, mm-hmm. but we hear it as God. What words would you provide for them? Well, thank you for sharing that. I think it's so important to acknowledge how hard it is to be still and to be silent and it is scary. And I think, you know, just knowing that the resistance we feel is fear. So like, I would want to know, like, what are you afraid of? And what is that inner narrative? And, you know, really, I think just shining a light on the things we're afraid of. And I would want to sit with you in that place. Cause I think, you know, we all need shepherds. We need human beings to hold our hands when we're scared. And, you know, I don't think that there's a right way to do do it. I think every single body is different. Everybody has different wounds, different lenses with which they see the world, different input. And so, you know, sometimes like when my life is really, really hard um, and I go to meditate, I cannot stop the monkeys from jumping in my head. And so I... I have to do something else. I had, I'll do a moving meditation or I'll go for a walk or I'll, I'll just journal until I get some of that internal noise out. And then I can drop into the stillness or I'll give myself a pad of paper next to myself when I try to still myself. And when my, I got to do this, 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 and this comes up, I'll just be kind. I won't like fight that voice. I'll just say, okay, make a quick note come back to stillness. So there's just a lot of grace built in, but I, I think most importantly, like, of course, it's scary to slow down. It's like you slam on the brakes and everything in the back of the truck just comes flying at you. And so, I think, <laughs> you know, instead of slamming yeah. on the brakes, babe, just slow and steady. Like, how do you, you know, like when I lead meditations, it's usually hours away. And I always feel like as I drive there, I'm, I'm getting prepared for the, for the meditation or the, the retreat. There's something about we have to go on a journey into stillness and solitude. So, you know, sometimes just listening to worship music might help bring in a truer voice than that internal critic. And so, you know, just figuring out what works for you. But I think mostly like just, 
I think naming and illuminating what you're afraid of and validating it. It it's you're not afraid for no reason. It is scary to hear yourself berated internally when you're just needing a little comfort. And so I think um, just being able to love and honor whatever your experience is. I mean, I remember the first time I went on a silent retreat and I couldn't take it. I went to the teacher and I was like, okay, is there supposed to be a bouncy ball flinging through my head with all of these thoughts? And he's like, yep, sitting. (laughs) It's just, it's just part of it. It's, it's the, it's a practice. We have to learn how to be still. We have to learn how to be quiet. And, you know, I guess I would want to ask you, Aaron, knowing that, you know, five years ago, you would have so much resistance. Like what has shifted in you? What has made silence something that you're longing for rather than running from? Well, (laughs) I've been to hell and back in the last five years, literally. Um, And along the way, I've, I've had my, my soul shattered in front of me or my life shattered in front of me. I shouldn't say my soul, my soul. And I've seen the tenderness of God and putting those pieces, collecting them and the art of just lovingly caring for them and putting them back together in in a way that I hadn't envisioned. Um, And the, the grief in that process. And the grieving for little Aaron and what little Aaron experienced or didn't experience and needed and not being okay. And little Aaron now has a place to be heard. And so now I can sit in that stillness because little Aaron has been heard. She doesn't have to stuff it. She doesn't have to perform in order to get love, acceptance, validation. Um, and it, it's been a hard journey and a, a very sorrowful journey for me to now be able to say, I can sit in stillness because I know what I'm going to hear. Just, oh, baby girl, I love that you're here. You know, I let's have a conversation. How are you today? That was awesome when you did this yesterday. I, you know, I chuckled with you um, instead of, you know, you really should have done X, Y, and Z yesterday instead of the way you handled that situation. It, that's me taking that voice of people on earth and taking it off God and letting God truly speak to me. But it took a journey of falling apart and having to be put back together for that to happen. Thank you for sharing that. It sounds like God shifted from this critical judge to a friend to a loving father and that's a I mean who wouldn't want to sit in the lap of that (laughs) Aaron uh, you you opened yourself up to some very personal stuff there I I want to say something and then throw it to Gene but I don't want to make you the guinea pig of our podcast that was not that was not accepted prior can we, can we go one step into this? Absolutely. All right. As long as you're happy and comfortable with it. You brought up something really important, which is even as we were going through this guided meditation, Gene talked about it giving room to be filled with truth. But depending on our religious past, we have the voices of pastors and various people that had spiritual authority that create a voice of God that is not God. And that can be scary. It can feel like, I mean, I it sounded like you were saying it opened you up to vulnerability to stuff that you couldn't trust the voices, even though you were desiring the voice of God. And I, I thought, and this is what I'm going to ask you about, Gene, that there are certain litmus tests Verses that we know that God said that there is no condemnation for any of us that are in Christ, that nothing in all creation, including ourselves, can separate us from his love. So if in that space where I'm saying, God, I want to I want to hear and feel and embody your love, 
if I am feeling condemned or I'm feeling separated from his love, according to the truth of Scripture that I hold to, that cannot be the voice of God. Because he said there is no condemnation there. He said that nothing can separate me from his love. So when I feel condemnation in those spaces because of what might be my past, how do I almost use that space to say, oh, good, I'm seeing where the voice of God is being overwhelmed by something that clearly is not the voice of God because he has declared this is not so? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think when you stop running, you have to hold what is. And that includes some limiting beliefs and outworn stories. And I think in order to live into the fullness of who God created us to be, we have to discern and kind of pick through like, oh, this story is not in alignment with the truth of who I am and the truth of who God is. And so I no longer agree. And we have to break these agreements. We have to acknowledge that every trigger, every fear, every thought that comes up that is not loving and kind, God is love. If the voice you're hearing is not kind and loving, it is not the voice of God. And and we have to take those thoughts captive. And that is what the practice of meditation is. Like, literally, it's like closing the door to that, whoever that is that's berating you and saying, uh, no, thank you. Satan, get behind me. And we have authority over those voices and those condemnations and those assaults that we get from evil. Evil wants to assault our mind because our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings motivate our behavior. So if the enemy can fill your mind with terror and judgment and accusations and you need to go faster, harder, stronger, like that, we're no use to the kingdom of God. We are distracted. So I think every time we get triggered, every time we feel something that doesn't feel true or, you know, the trick is, can you sit in that discomfort? Can you hold that awareness that's coming forward and not having to run to it, not having to stuff it, but to actually look at it as a gift? Our trigger is an invitation to deeper healing and transformation. Every time we get triggered, Every time we have a thought, it's not in alignment with love. Every time we have a feeling that is not in alignment with love. Every time our body does something that's not in alignment with love. We are being invited to come back and repent. Repent is just turning away from that regularly scheduled program and returning to love. And it's just a practice. And what I was thinking of when you were talking about your um, experience with with meditation and quieting your mind is consolation and desolation. So consolation is anything that brings us closer to God. Desolation is anything that makes us feel separate from God. So a lot of times our thoughts bring us into desolation. So we have to use our thoughts to console us, to bring us back to God. And that, you know, when you're saying, I didn't want to be still. So then I would ask, what are you running from? And what are you running toward? And if you're running from your thoughts, can you pivot? Can you run toward God with your thoughts? And so it's just a practice of self-control and taking back your power. You have authority over those voices. You have the power to choose in what direction you run. And even that you don't have to run anymore, that you're not a human doing, you're a human being and you get to rest. I'm, I'm hearing you say, and tell me if I'm hearing it wrong. Beware of having thoughts you know are wrong, and so you dismiss them, because wrong thoughts, and I use wrong very loosely here, uh, thoughts that we know, oh, it's not true, but I'm having them, you're saying, no, invite them into the conversation because they're teaching you something about your heart and what God wants to replace and fill with his love. Absolutely. Well, this has been quite an experience. I did not envision the podcast uh, going quite in this direction today, but I am so pleased that it did. Uh, I am quite certain this is one of those episodes that will be played and replayed, shared and reshared uh, in the days and weeks and months and years to come. And Gene, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk with us. For those of our listeners who want to make contact with you, 
what is the best way for them to do it? Okay, so I have a website. It's www.sothat.com. And so that is spelled S-O-W-T-H-A-T. And you can email me at so that gene at gmail.com. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you. All right. Well, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk. I feel like I need to say it more like, like Gene would. Welcome back the pirate podcast. <laughs> she was so she was so good at the the leading like oh man i was feeling like i was having a soul bath yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking ahead to every upcoming samson retreat i'm going okay how do we get gene there to do a session i was thinking i was it. thinking the same thing yeah we need, we yeah. need some of that yeah <laughs> you know you know what it made me think of uh with uh, our with our first son samuel we did hypnobirthing instead of Lamaze. Okay. And I don't know how popular that is. I have not been in the pregnancy world. But I've never it, heard of it. Oh, yeah. It well, I mean, very hippie ish. I know. Like Lamaze is all about pushing, right? Breathing and pushing, yeah. push, breathe. Ha, ha, ha. Whereas hypnobirthing is like, no, learn to do self hypnosis so you relax and then the baby just slips out. You know, yeah. that's, I mean, I, that's. They wouldn't say it like that, but that's essentially what they were saying. But we do you have something to say about that, Aaron? <laughs> Baby, yes, babies do not slip out. But, yes. <laughs> but you can use the power of your breath to ride those contraction waves and make it a little less uncomfortable. But no, there's no slippage. Well, well, <laughs> all right, no slippage. But their their big thing was that the pushing, you're contracting muscles versus learning yeah. to relax and let right. your body just do what it's doing. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. No slipping. But anyways, I would go to these classes and I, I mean, I, I don't want to disparage uh, my ex-wife's process in this, but I found I was really good at self-hypnosis. <laughs> And I knew this because I would fall asleep deeply every class and I would wake up so refreshed. I'd be like, that was the best thing ever. And, and, and so some of what she was talking, cause there was a lot of starting by like, mm -hmm. okay, just be present. Like think about your head, your neck, moving down your body, mm -hmm. being aware. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. I realized, oh my gosh, my shoulders are so tight but I just didn't even consider it because when do I consider my body? And so mm -hmm. by relaxing each part and then kind of just letting my mind consciously let go of things, I would just be able to relax. And mm -hmm. so there was part of this. I was like, Oh man, I forgot how possible it is to take a moment <laughs> and let go. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. what were you, what were you thinking? So I, start, uh, I start, I, uh, every Sarah meeting that I host, I start with a grounding exercise. Um, and I take 15 minutes and we do breath work. We do some sort of visualization and I have women say that they say, well, cause then afterwards we do our introductions with our check-in and I have women say, Oh, when I came to this meeting, I was feeling X, Y, and Z. And now I'm mm. feeling so much different because I've left that anxiety at the door. I've come to myself. Um, I realized that I was coming in a hyper aroused state and now I'm elevated or grounded. Um, so it's, it's huge. And it's a simple practice that I think people can put in their daily lives. Super simple. Nate, I'm curious because I, I am uh, probably hyper vigilant about words, especially mm -hmm. Eastern words that trigger yeah. Christians. Mm -hmm. um, because I had to walk through that and have people try to get me fired from jobs. I still have letters that defend mm -hmm. their positions because of that. Uh, but I also love it. 
even when it was happening, I thought this is hilarious. This is fun. It was fun. But mm-hmm. when Gene was talking about certain words, I'm like, okay, uh, these are like, I don't know. There needs to be a phrase for it. They're, they're wall building words that mm-hmm. are so deeply steeped in scripture. I mean, even the word mm-hmm. meditation got such a bad mm-hmm. rap as being like a, some new age thing. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is so yeah, biblical. Yeah, so, so yeah, what, yeah. what has been your experience in thinking and, and, and how those unnecessary walls keep us from the very things that scripture invites us into and that God personally invites us into? Well, you know, it's the same, it's, I encountered the, the very same resistance when, you know, God used 12 step recovery to save my life, save my marriage, and really save me spiritually. By the time I stumbled into my first 12 step meeting, I was still active in church, but really just going through the motions, and God was far away. And then all of a sudden, with a change in vocabulary, and when <laughs> my Christian vocabulary was, I uh, was required to keep that out the door, and I wasn't able to come in with my pat answers, God showed up in a whole new way, right? And then I can back, and the, and the Bible, I, now the Bible, I see things in the Bible I never saw before. The Bible becomes a different book. My relationship begins to deepen and change. But because, you know, there are, there are these shibboleths, right? To use that biblical term, they, because I was speaking a strange dialect when I came back to church, I could see the resistance building if I started talking too explicitly about the 12 steps. Because the suspicion was that's anti-Christian or sub-Christian, even though, you know, so that's why Samson Society is not a 12-step group. It's the same path, but we've got some beautifully sanctified numbers of sevens and threes and uh, and we're we're using uh, Christian vocabulary, our you know historic, sacred, wonderful, meaning laden uh, Christian vocabulary. But we're uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's fear driven, and and part of it we are called to be vigilant against error. And yes, deception is always a risk. But I think. Uh, for those who kind of make it a career out of spot identifying and denouncing whatever's wrong, and they're always on the hunt for the heretic, uh, you know, we wind up becoming trapped. Okay, in, okay, you're yeah. talk. You are talking about the Christian version, which I think Christianity did this even earlier than internet fake news. Of uh-huh. creating outrage porn for people, right, be, a, be yeah. afraid of this. So, uh, so the other day, I was having trouble, and so I was praying, and I was mm-hmm. praying by the power of the name of Joshua. I was like, by the power of Joshua, mm-hmm. I am engaging this thought now. Most people would feel uncomfortable with praying by the power of Joshua. Mm-hmm. But you are familiar with the fact that Jesus', Jesus. name was Joshua. <laughs> Joshua, yes, yes. And, and yeah, we can go Yeshua if you want, but it's Joshua. <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. I throw that out to awkwardly say, listeners, when you hear certain words and you're like, I am immediately uncomfortable by this vocabulary, mm-hmm. remember that people would tell you that you have to pray by the power of the name of Jesus, but you aren't allowed to use the Hebrew version of his name for some reason. <laughs> vocabulary yeah. is much bigger than the little buckets we've created for God. Right, yeah, yeah. And we need to step away from people that want to create teams and want to put you on the team, usually because they want your money. Always look as, why do these people want me on their team? There's usually (laughs) some string attached, but oh my gosh, it pisses me off. So I hope you've heard words today that made you think, well, that's not a word I would have used. That's not a word I ever would have thought. And take another step back and say, let me think about what it actually meant. And does 
God actually say, oh no, check this out. I have something mm-hmm. good for you here. Don't be mm-hmm. afraid. Words are simply vehicles for meaning, and truth will be truth despite its origin. And remember that Jesus was supposedly crap because he came from Galilee. So, guess what? There's lots of origins of things that people have judged, including your Savior. Check it out, think through it, and see if there isn't something for your heart in here that you've been missing. Yeah, I'm getting a little feisty. All right. Well, end of rant and end of episode. We've come all the way to a hard stop, uh, although I don't regret a second of it. Uh, Listeners, many more episodes coming up. Boy, are we getting content heavy here on the Pirate Pirate Month podcast. Until next time. Hey, uh, Aaron Aaron with an E and Aaron with an A, both of you are going to say goodbye here at the end. I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And I'm AP. And we are your pal on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Arg. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com. <laughs>